We're running the silent version of our film today. <laughs> Basically, it says, who is Jesus? This is an important question that has implications for our lives here and in eternity. And we're in a series called I Am, looking at Jesus's I Am statements in the Gospel of John. Jesus tells us who he is, and that's important for us. It's important on a couple of different levels. First of all, Jesus is the one we follow. We want to understand who it is that we follow as much as possible. But also, Romans 8, 29, God is transforming us more and more into the image of his son. And so if Jesus is a certain way, God is transforming us into that same likeness. Everything Jesus said about himself has implications for us, direct implications for us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. What did he also say? He said, you are the light of the world. Let your lights shine in this world. Reflect the light of Christ in this world. You see, Jesus says, this is who I am. And as my followers, as the ones God is making more and more into my image, you are to be lights in this world. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That has implications for us. There is no other way to God. Jesus is the way to God. The exclusive nature of Jesus as our one and only Savior, as our one and only Lord, the one and only who provides life and hope. That's important for us. Who Jesus is, is important for us. And as he says, I am this or I am that, that has implications for us. And that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we remain connected to Christ, that we remain close to Christ, that we abide with Christ. Not too long ago, I was at the gas station and I needed to put some air in my tire, so I went over to the little free air station and there was already a, a car there, so I just pulled up nearby and waited in the car until they were done. Well, I was waiting and waiting and waiting and, and the car was still there and so I decided to get out of my car and take a closer look and I, I look and I see this young lady knelt down by the tire of her car and she's holding the air hose. But rather than connect the air hose to the valve stem, she just had the end of the hose tucked in one of the openings in her wheel cover. Nowhere near the valve stem. In fact, the cap was still on the valve stem. And for whatever reason, she was hoping or thinking that just holding the hose in proximity to her tire would air it up. The, the compressor was making a sound, and so that was good enough for her. And I wondered, how long has she been here? How long would she stay here? So I went over and I helped her out, and we got her tire aired up, and she was on her way. Young people. There's some things you need to know when you leave home and enter the real world. How to put air in your car tire is one of those things, right? Amen. <laughs> so parents, grandparents, do your job. Teach your kids how to do that. <laughs> it's important for us to stay connected to the source. If you want air, you have to be connected to the source of air. If you want water, you need to be connected to the source of water. And if you need and want life, you must be connected to the source of life. You see, if we don't have a strong connection to Christ, we will remain empty. That is the truth. If we aren't closely connected to Jesus, we will remain empty. Now, if you're new to the Bible, or maybe you're not a Christian, 
or you're watching this online later or even now and you say, now wait a second, are you saying I can't have a full life apart from Christ? Because, you know, I, I can have family, a good family, I can have friends, I can live in a nice house, drive nice cars, have a good job, go on trips, I can be happy. Seems to me that that's a full life, so what do you mean we're empty apart from Christ? And that's a fair question. And yes, you can have all of those things, likely, without Christ. But does that mean you have a full life? You see, you weren't created for those things. Many of those things were created for you. Jesus came to give abundant life. Life in Christ is the best way to live. Jesus came to give eternal life. Apart from Christ, you really can't have true meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And just as Aaron said a few minutes ago, all of these things that we chase after in life, they are like vapor, they are like smoke. They seem so important. If I can just get this job or this promotion or live in this house or drive this car or have these things, then I'll be happy. And happiness is the highest goal in life. And yet, we find ourselves thinking there's got to be more. There must be more. You can have all of those things apart from Christ, but you cannot have the abundant eternal life that only Christ provides. In John chapter 15, you might want to turn there in your Bible. John chapter 15, Jesus talks about this very thing. As he says, I am, we're going to see what he says. And he talks about the importance of staying connected to him. And he uses a metaphor that his immediate audience would have, would have, they would have known. This agrarian society, he uses something from agriculture. They would have known what he's talking about and so it would have resonated with them so I want you to notice the metaphor but behind the metaphor what is the message here's what Jesus says John 15 verse 1 I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now, I am not a gardener. I have no idea how to make things grow. But not long ago, I saw my wife go into our backyard and start cutting away on the rose bushes. She was getting them ready. And so if there were some broken parts of the bush or dead parts, she would cut those away. And on the branches that would produce flowers, roses. She would trim those way back so they would have room and they could get light. And here in a few weeks, hopefully, they will produce all these beautiful roses. Jesus says that he is the vine. He says God is the gardener who comes along and prunes and cuts away on the branches. And you think, okay, wait a second. Why is God cutting away part of Jesus has Jesus done something wrong why is the gardener God the father pruning Jesus well he's pruning the branches that are connected to Jesus the vine so then the question is okay what are these branches what is he talking about keep reading in verse 5 he says again I am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What does Jesus say there? He says, not only I am the vine, he says, you are the branches. We are the branches connected to Jesus. We are the ones he's talking about there. He is our source of life and hope. He is our source of power that flows through us, in us and through us, as we are connected to him. And that's what life is all about. As his life and love flow through us, it produces what? It produces fruit in us. You see, life is not about gathering all the fruits of your labor. Life is about bearing the fruit of God's kingdom. That's what life is about. You can chase all these things in life and still have an empty life because you miss the very purpose for which you were created to make much of God, to bear his fruit in this world. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. As I said, Jesus' immediate audience, this Jewish audience, they would, they would understand this metaphor of vine, branches, you know, plants growing, trees growing, they get that. But it was more to them than that. This image, this metaphor, was a part of their collective history. You see, several times in the Old Testament, God refers to Israel as the vine. In fact, in Jesus' day, if you went into Herod's temple, if you were able to go up to the Holy of Holies, there were four columns there supporting the entrance to the Holy of Holies. And historians and archaeologists have discovered that around those four columns was wrapped this beautiful golden vine. That vine represented Israel in the world. They were God's vine. They were the ones that God had called out that God had intended for his fruit to be born into this world, the fruit of his kingdom to come through his people. But there was a problem. What was the problem? Israel didn't bear the fruit of God's kingdom. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. He's not talking about a literal vine a literal vineyard there. He's talking about his covenant people, Israel. A few verses later in verse five, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed. He looked for righteousness, but he heard cries of distress. When God called out his covenant people, he said, I want you to bear the fruit of my kingdom, I want to leave an imprint in this world through you. And I want to see justice. And I want to see love. And I want to see righteousness. What did God see? He saw just the opposite. Because God's people didn't stay connected to God. They didn't abide with him. They didn't remain in him. They pulled away from him because so many things around them in the world were enticing them. And rather than staying connected to the one who breathed life into them, they pulled away and bowed down to the false idols of the world. But what's amazing about God is God is always at work. 
Even today, when so many things seem to discourage us and we wonder about what God is doing and why is evil gaining so much ground in our world and Satan is up to so much, even then, God is at work. And so when his covenant people weren't bearing the fruit of his kingdom, God was still at work. You skip down a few more chapters in Isaiah chapter 11 and notice what's happening. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch, notice the capital B, will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Who is this referring to? It's referring to, of course, Jesus. Jesus would, would rise up from the ashes of the covenant people in their rebelliousness, their rebellion, and Jesus would come from that line and he would be then the true vine. And notice in John 15, that's what he said about himself. I am the true vine. I think that adjective is important. He could have just said, I am the vine. But those Jewish people would think, oh, wait a second, Jesus, we are the vine. Remember, go read your Old Testament, Jesus. We are the vine. And Jesus says, no, I am the true vine. And it would be through Jesus breathing life branches, which are followers of Christ, the church, if you will, where the fruit of God's kingdom would show up in the world. He is the vine, we are the branches. And that's why it's so important that we stay connected to him. Let me put those seven verses up there. You may not be able to read them, but at least you can see overall. In those seven verses, that word remain is used 11 times. It's an important part of this passage, isn't it? It's an important theme in this passage. Remain in me as I remain in you. That word literally means to live with, to dwell among, to abide, to stay connected. And that's the appeal of John 15. And that's the appeal this morning is stay connected to Jesus. When you get discouraged, stay connected to Jesus. When so many things in the world entice you away from the church, entice you away from Christianity, entice you away from Jesus. Stay with Jesus. Abide with him. We see people too often, and it's heartbreaking, they walk away from Jesus. Some run away from Jesus because followers of Jesus have done things that, that cause them pain. Others just slowly drift away. Abide with him. Stay connected to him. Don't leave him. Don't make yourself at home in this world. Live among, dwell among Jesus. Abide with him. We keep reading in John 15, and you're going to see this sort of repetition and this rhythmic pattern almost as you read what Jesus says about himself. And really, as we will see, what he says is the root, pun intended there, the root of all of this. Keep reading in John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. There's that word remain again. He says, remain in me, I'm in you. Now he says, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. How do you stay connected to Christ? How do you abide with him, dwell with him? You do what he commands. That's what he said. Well, Jesus, what do you command? You don't have to guess. You don't have to come up with other answers. He tells you, love each other. Life on the vine is rooted in love. It's rooted in love. Jesus says, stay with me, remain in me by doing what I command you, what I model for you, what I have done for my Father. Well, what is that, Jesus? Love. Love. Life on the vine is rooted in love. And it's not a a self-serving pseudo-love. That's not love at all. What kind of love is it? Well, he gives us a reference, doesn't it? Doesn't he? He says, the kind of love that causes you to lay down your life for your friends. And of course, that's what he did for you and for me. It's a sacrificial love. It's a rugged love. It's a real love. That's the kind of love he calls us to. And that's the kind of fruit that we bear in this world. For those of you who like key points, words and points to remember. I have three quick points that we'll close on here as we move toward wrapping up. Don't get too excited. We're moving in that direction. (laughs) Remember the old days of grabbing the songbooks when it was time? (laughs) You could hear it, collective grabbing of the songbooks. Don't grab your songbooks yet. Three key words. We're even going to use alliteration so you can remember them. What does it mean to stay connected to Christ? What does it mean to have life on the vine? What does it mean? What comes with that? First is power, second productivity, and then pruning. Let's start with the first, power. You see, Jesus is our source of life. And as we stay connected to him, that life, that power flows in and through us. And we become then empowered to face this world as disciples of Christ. We have the power to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine because his power is working in and through us, not because we are strong or smart or so good, but because we are so closely connected to Christ that his power is flowing through us. Apart from him, we do not have power. We don't have power over sin. We don't have power over death. Those things will conquer us. Those things will defeat us. We have no power over those things apart from Christ. But with Christ and in Christ, we have power over sin because he has defeated sin. We have power over death. Death is not the end for those who are in Christ. And with that, we have hope. We have peace. We have all the things that come with that because his power is flowing in us and through us. What happens when we disconnect from Christ? We lose that power. We lose that power and we die spiritually. 
Our lives become a spiritual wasteland. That's what Isaiah, he used that term in Isaiah 5 to talk about Israel. They became a spiritual wasteland. When we disconnect from Christ, we become, our lives become a spiritual wasteland. And what happens? Jesus says, those branches, they're thrown away. They're put in the wood pile to be burned. Power comes from staying connected with Christ. Second word, productivity. The message is pretty clear here in John 15. When you stay connected to Christ, you do what? You bear fruit. You are productive. You produce fruit. The life and the love that flow through us help us produce this fruit in the world. Which means how we live, how we treat people, what we do, the things we say, how we approach life, all of those things. Well, what specifically does it mean to bear fruit? Specifically, I think what it means is the character of Christ is seen in us in observable ways and how we live, the things that we do. All of the, the areas of life, the character of Christ shines through us. Specifically, what did Jesus say? He said, do what I command, which is love one another. When we love people, especially when we love those who aren't so lovable, when we love people we disagree with, when we act from a place of love as we interact and as we make decisions, as we lead, as we follow, those are some of the fruits of the kingdom of God. Maybe it can't be more clear than in Galatians chapter 5. You know that phrase, the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God is actively living among you, this is the fruit that it produces in your life. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. That's an important phrase there. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So all of those things he talked about, the fruit of the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things then become a part of our lives as God works in us and through us. But see, so often we look at those things as a to-do list. How am I doing today with patience? Well, this morning when the kids weren't ready to go out the door, I, got, you know, I snapped at them. Well, you know, I was driving and the car in front of me was going kind of slow, so I honked at them. And then I went to the coffee shop and they didn't get my order right and I got upset. So I need to be, I need to work on my patience. I need to be more patient. Well, maybe it's not patience you need. Maybe it's Jesus you need. You see, there's a difference. When we look at this, this Galatians 5.22, this fruit of the Spirit, if we look at that as a to-do list, what are we saying? We're saying it's up to me to be more loving, to be more at peace, to be more patient, self-controlled. It's up to me. So we become self-reliant. I just need to try harder. I just need to muster up the strength and the ability. I just need to, to do more. When we become self-reliant, then we become self-centered. When we're Jesus-centered, our focus is not trying to earn it's not trying to produce on our own. It's strictly staying connected to Christ. 
and letting him do the work in us and through us. The power of the Spirit transforming us. Do you remember what we said in the very beginning, Romans 8, 29, God is transforming us more into the image of his Son. From the inside out, he changes us so that our hearts are changed, our minds are changed, they become more Christ-like as he works in us, and then all of a sudden, we begin to live out those fruits. We began to demonstrate love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and all of those things because it's God and his power working in us and through us. Often, often doing good works is how we think we can show God that we deserve a place on the vine, that we're worthy to remain there. But bearing fruit is the result of being connected to Christ. It is the response and the result of life on the vine. Productivity comes from his power working in and through us. One writer said this, don't confuse work and fruit. There may be a good deal of work for Christ that is not the fruit of the heavenly vine. Third word, pruning, pruning. In, Luke 15, I'm sorry, in John 15, Jesus says that God cuts away those branches that are dead, that aren't producing fruit. And those that are, what does he say he does with those? He, he prunes them. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know exactly how God prunes our lives, but I know if I'm a rose bush, there's some pain involved. That's not comfortable. You know, cutting away, cleaning out, cutting back, that sounds painful. And I think sometimes maybe it is. I wonder, are there some areas of your life, are there some areas of my life that I need God to come in and, and clean up? Some areas of my life, areas of your life, you need God to prune, to cut back some things. What is it? You know better than anyone else. Is it pride that continues to put you in places where you do things that you feel shameful about? Or maybe you don't even feel shameful, you just barge through life with pride and ego leading the way. Or maybe it's, it's sin, it's a struggle, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Maybe it's how you treat people. Maybe it's a grudge that you can't seem to get over or the way you view certain people. Maybe it's a damaged witness because of blatant hypocrisy. Maybe it's the love of money. It could be a number of things. But what is it that God needs to come in and start to clean away, cut away, prune in your life so that you can be more closely connected to Christ and bear the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's kingdom. You know, sometimes the very thing that God needs to cut away is the very thing that we think we are doing to protect the gospel, to defend the faith. And maybe that's the very thing that God needs to cut away. It's usually embedded in pride. Pruning is painful, but it's necessary to be productive. To be pruned by God, you must be humble. You must admit that you need help. So don't let pride, don't let ego get in the way. Let God do the redemptive work that God does, the transformative work that God does, changing you, transforming you into, into something else. 
into a fruit-bearing, love-sharing, life-giving influence in this world. Power, productivity, and pruning. All of those things, important parts of being connected to the vine. Let me close with a quick story. Up in northwest India, it is said to be one of the wettest places on earth. One year, they recorded 82 feet of rain. That's not 82 inches. That's 82 feet of rain. With so much rain, you can imagine how that changes the landscape. Gentle little brooks become raging rivers. And that's a problem because the people can't get across these rivers. And so the the people from various villages can't connect. And they can't travel so they're they're isolated so they need to find some way to cross these these rivers well they don't have access to concrete and steel so that's not an option and they can build a wooden bridge but it's probably likely that it would be washed away or it would give way to erosion and so they've come up with this ingenious plan for centuries they've been doing this they use living bridges you see this takes more than one lifetime to develop Somebody will plant a strangler tree, it's called, a strangler tree on one of the riverbanks. And they will nurture that tree and let it grow. And once the tree is big enough, they will begin to extract some of its roots. And they will care for those roots. And they will begin to stretch those roots across the river. And when they reach the other side of the river, they will sow them into the soil, into the riverbank, where they will take root. And then these roots, these branches start to grow and more start to join them and they're reinforced and they're tangled and wrapped up and they form basically a living bridge. Sometimes they'll go in there with mud and sort of pack it in to make it a little flatter and a little more stable, but it becomes a bridge that multiple people can cross over. It will support all kinds of weight and it'll last, some of these have lasted 500 years. Isn't that a great picture of the church? Isn't that who we should be? We are alive only because we are connected to the source of life. And we are united together, going in the same direction, having the same purpose. And what is that purpose? It is to be a bridge to the world so they can find Jesus, so they can have access to Jesus. And it takes all of us, it's important, What happens if you cut one of those those roots, one of those branches away? Well, once it's disconnected from its life source, it won't take long until it shrivels up, until it dies. It'll just sort of fade away, wither away. And, And really, it's true that once that happens, that bridge becomes less stable, doesn't it? It becomes a little bit weaker. You see, you have an important part to play as someone who is a branch connected to the vine and in many ways united with other branches because we make a bridge for the world to have access to Jesus as we take the message of Jesus into the world as we bear the fruit of God's kingdom they will be drawn not to us but to the true vine the source of life the source of love Jesus says, stay connected to me, remain in me. Let my life and my love flow, not just to you, but through you. Bear the fruit of God's kingdom, the fruit of the spirit. That's what life is about. That's a full life. That's abundant life. That's eternal life. 
Maybe today you need to let God do a little bit of pruning. Is there an area of your life where you need God to come in and and start cutting away some things? Bitterness, anger, rage, an unforgiving heart. What is it? Let God do that. Don't let pride get in the way. Let God work on your heart and your mind and transform you from the inside out so that you can bear the fruit of his kingdom, the fruit of the Spirit. In just a minute, a couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor or room right behind me. You can go there before you leave today. Have a quick prayer with them. They'd love to encourage you, support you. Maybe you need to confess sin. Maybe that's how this journey starts, with God pruning you. We'd be happy to accept your repentance and confession if you want to come up to the front or if you want to go see the shepherds. Maybe today you're ready to give your life to Christ, to be baptized into Christ. Start this life connected to the source of love and life. It's a wonderful life. It's the best way. It's the only way to live. It's what you were created to do and who you were created to be. Give your life to Jesus today. Be baptized into Christ. If there's something we can do, we invite you to come as we stand and sing. Be with me, Lord.